Ceridian creates innovative technology that organizations around the world use to attract, develop, manage, and pay their people. Its award-winning day four solution helps customers manage compliance, make better decisions, build great teams, and drive engagement with their employees. Ceridian has solutions for organizations of all sizes. Ceridian makes work life better. For more information, visit www.ceridian.com. And good morning. Welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Athena Karp, who is the founder and CEO of Hired Score, a, quote, artificial intelligence HR technology company that powers the global Fortune 500. Hey, Athena, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am on top of the world. Uh, we're as far away from each other as you can get in the United States. Uh, I'm in the middle of the fires in Sonoma County, and you are in Manhattan somewhere, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Hope you're staying safe. It's it's smoky here, and the the sunsets are glorious. (laughs) They're They're this unworldly red color. Anyhow, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. As you mentioned, founder and CEO of Hired Score. Um, Hired Score is uh, a artificial intelligence technology company um, servicing the Fortune 500 to do instant candidate prioritization in the HR systems and uh, sourcing automation as well. Um, so I started the company uh, north of five years ago. Um, and uh, this is what we've been building since then. Our, our mission as a company. Um, our, our team as well, data scientists and engineers, most of the background are in algorithmic um, data science products in other areas and verticals that have seen the benefits and impact of these types of tools and tech um, sooner than HR. So advertising, marketing tech, fintech, uh, healthcare tech, that was my background in a highly regulated data environments, uh, bringing automation. Um, and gather together to say, how can we bring the same level of cutting edge technologies um, and business process automation um, to help and support HR and recruiting? Uh, so, so tell me a little bit more about the company. What exactly, what exactly is, the, is the service you provide? If, I, if I'm your customer, what do I get? Yeah. So I think just you know, stepping away for a second, the, the problem that we solve is really that um, Recruiting to date has lived in primarily a keyword semantic engine world. Um, And when you have the data situations that we have today, a job post, for example, doesn't speak the same language as a resume. And even when you say a resume or a candidate, different types of resumes speak different languages, if you will. A civilian versus a military or a veteran's resume um, say very different things um, in terms of being able to contextually understand. the problem we set out to solve is when you post a job, they're often ambiguous and vague. And a job might say, you know, I want you to have two years of relevant industry experience and a degree in, in the space or a relevant degree. And it doesn't then list all the different ways it would define experience to be relevant or what types of degrees um, are relevant for this job. And so what we set out to do was create um, an automated solution that will give every applicant who applies whether or not they meet keyword criteria or Boolean string search 
just you know back back to the basics if they have what what are the criteria of that job um then they'll get surfaced automatically so we built a an nlp engine on top of a rec that can comprehend that uh, into a natural language and into categories and clusters we have over twenty one thousand career trees um, and then a few hundred categories and subcategories that sit on top of uh, what would be a resume to be able to define and understand um, one, what type of candidate is this? We do different comprehension for things like a veteran resume versus a civilian. Um, and then we boil things down to skill, competency, relevant industry, relevant um, skill sets, and then we're able to, to better match and prioritize. Okay, so how'd you get here? That, that, this is not something that one dreams of doing um, um, in preschool. So. So at some point, at some point in time, you you develop a twisted urge to solve a paradox with technology, and uh, tell me how that happened. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, actually, started uh, my career uh, as, as a professional in investment banking. I was in the technology and media group, and I was covering the dying world of newspaper companies. And uh, the only valuable asset, or the most valuable asset they had was classified, which as you know, was a decreasingly print industry and increasingly online. So I got exposed very early on to career builder Monster LinkedIn, um, was covering meanwhile, you know, the likes of ATP, Paycheck, uh, and, and everything else, and, and got exposed to, at the same time, technologies like Salesforce um, and others were also covered out of our group and just saw the discrepancy between the sophistication and the use of data um, to solve um, enterprise challenges. And what I get excited about is in all these other departments and divisions in, in, in the company, in sales and marketing and finance and tech, um, we augment you know, human abilities with smart technologies to make clearer, um, more instantaneous, efficient decision-making. Um, and what I saw in HR was that a lot of the data exists to be able to, for example, learn from historical recruiting data selection, connect and tie that to performance data, um, and be able to really make fair decisions. So um, when I was at Merrill Lynch, we had you know, tens of thousands of people who would apply for analyst jobs, and we sort through them by a school list that we had, not necessarily data back, um, and not necessarily, you know, the fairest way of determining who would even make it to a small percentage that got an interview. Uh, and so it really brought to light for me, how can we bring a fairness to who gets evaluated and how they get evaluated in some way that everyone who applies for a job would get considered if they're relevant um, and, you know, human capabilities. Um, are, are limited in being able to view hundreds and thousands and in terms of resources, uh, HR teams are starved as well. Um, so that's why we set out to say, how can an algorithm look at everyone instantly as a first pass, be able to just determine who, who does meet these criteria and float to the top the most relevant so that when a recruiter or human has the time, um, they're looking at, at everyone who could involved. So, so this is a solution that works better the more, the more positions that have the same job description in your company. Is that fair? Um, so I wouldn't say it works better the more description, um, the, the, the more similar. Um, I think data segmentation and data volume 
is important. So I'll, I'll go a little bit further into that. Um, we have we have a public brain um, that's been built off of 50 million plus resumes and 25 million plus recs. So it does have um, classification and deep understanding across all types of jobs and roles. At our average client, we're live across over 30 departments and divisions. Um, so we don't see that deep specialization or just one job type, for example. Um, but but how the how the system works, I think, by client is if you are specialized and frequently filling or your most frequent jobs are in four or five different departments or divisions or job types, uh, what, what you're, you are going to gain the benefit of for every client, we build a customized brain off of that kind of public um, public brain. And so the the more segmented and the higher volume um, of those types of roles, it does give the, the technology the ability to learn more how differently you hire for those roles than maybe rest of world. Um, but even for jobs that aren't, you know, your frequent, um, frequently posted roles, um, we, we do still have a understanding. It's just you're going to be less customized or specialized with the less data that we learn from it. And I'd say our, our fetch algorithms, which do um, sourcing automation from past candidates, not hired CRMs and the like, um, they, they perform better. Obviously, we hire the quality of data that they can pull from. So yes, in that sense, you're absolutely right. And I guess the logic would say the more frequently you're posting a specific or particular job types or roles, um, and even the more well-known you are in the market for those types of roles, we would expect there to be a correlation between the quality and the volume of candidates in those roles as well for us to fetch from and auto recommend those recruiters. So, so just to, just to, to simplify, I think you said this is a more useful tool if you're hiring call center employees than if you're hiring the vice president of business development for Singapore in a chip company. So actually, well, we have two solutions. One is a professional um, algorithm solution, and one's an hourly. For the hourly solution, or you know, the more the blue collar, that that's where you'll you'll gain benefits from the higher volume solution. But actually, hired scores um, targets, and to date, we only launched the hourly solution this year. Um, our targets to date have been in the professional market. So, so what I'd say is um, anything requiring one or more year of experience or any types of specific skill sets, all the way up to 10, 15 plus years of experience, I uh, would definitely not recommend, you know, the CEO or CTO of large public companies. Um, they tend to anyway have executive recruiters or teams that are um, doing, you know, multi-month or year plus searches and, and engagements for those types of roles. Uh, but our clients use us across um, professional jobs, CP level, um, and above even. So, so one of the, the questions I like to ask people who have solutions that try to accomplish these sorts of things is, how do you find Albert Einstein with your tool? The, the idea that qualifications describe a job is sort of a mm, primitive way of thinking about what a job is. And typically, People who are who crisply meet the qualifications for a job are kind of um, perhaps perhaps high B level performers, but you never really find superstars that way. And so 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 I wonder how you 
how you think about what differentiates a superstar from somebody who perfectly meets the described qualifications, right? This is the Albert yeah. Einstein you would never flesh out if you, if you search for him based on his qualifications. Yeah, so, so I think there's two different elements to the question you're asking, but correct me if I'm wrong. One is, how do you overcome <laughs> job descriptions that might be limiting or might be vaguely or poorly written um, in finding top talent? Um, one thing at Hired Score is, you know, the, we have to deal with the fact that recs are often poorly written and nonspecific and vague. Um, you might have a job where the only thing it lists is two years of relevant in industry experience, period. Um, and that's where when, when you do have a smart machine that can, like a human, and that's what we've taught it, be able to look at all the information it has. So you're looking at what is the job title? What's the department? What's the salary band? What's the years of experience of that, those types of roles? So even in the absence of well-written recs, you can still triangulate and comprehend quite a lot about um, what this job is looking for and who might be relevant for it. I think on, on the candidate data layer, um, it's actually very interesting because, um, you know, basically what the algorithm is doing is not making a final hire. It, it's just giving the recruiter when they have time and when they have capacity, those people that meet whatever they've stated, um, our clients, most of them are federal government contractors. So our, you know, the internet applicant rule and OFCCP and EEO regulations apply for them. Um, and so that does mean that the ability to hire out of the box or hire not aligned with basic and preferred qualifications that have been specified is not something that they have the ability to do. So job descriptions can limit them in that way, which is the algorithm is not going to recommend people that don't meet whatever they've specified as, as those minimum criteria. Um, but, but I do think in terms of finding the Albert Einstein, let's say you required a degree in physics and a few years of work experience in physics and you capped out your rec uh, to that. Um, this is where I, I think you get a really powerful combination between humans and computers where a computer can do a first cut of for that physicist role, if you had had, you know, a few hundred or thousands of people apply, it would go through and cut out those that aren't related and aren't relevant and aren't viable for you to even be able to hire and then give the recruiter the time to phone screen and hopefully, you know, meet, connect with, be impressed by Albert Einstein and move him forward. So, so just to, just to dig a little bit further, you're, 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 the output of your process is a prioritized list. Is that right? It, it's a priority score. So we're actually embedded. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, you, so you've, got, you've mm -hmm. got a priority score. And, and, and I'm telling you, Albert Einstein would fall at the bottom of any prioritized list that you came up with for physicists. <laughs> he, was, he was a lousy student, and it took somebody with supreme judgment to understand the quality that he brought to the to the party. It took him a long, long time to find his way in. And and there was plenty of amazing talent like that. I don't believe that what recruiters do is look at the bottom of the list and see what they can find. I would be surprised if you could point me to anybody who had ever done that. Yeah. So so I, I think it depends by company. I mean, we find on average about 10 to 15% of applicants who apply are priority. And priority means they meet the qualifications, the requirements, and the relevancy of the role. 
Um, obviously, for very popular companies or very well-brand-named companies, that percentage might be higher. And similarly, for less well-known and less you know, heavy investment in recruitment marketing and brand um, awareness, uh, those percentages are lower. Um, so I, I think you know, our recruiters do tend to look at um, those that meet the qualifications um, of the job that we recommend, and we do recommend all of those that, that, that meet what it is you're looking for. So in terms of how deep they go in the stack, um, one thing we found is 40 to 60% of the recruiter's time is spent screening on the front end. So I think if, if you were going to say, how can we help enable recruiters to look at everyone um, who applies, it's by giving them back that time that today is spent block tackling and reviewing people who aren't even relevant. Even if it's only a minute spent on those candidates, it is time that they don't have that's a shortage. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I guess back to your point of do they look at the whole list, uh, most of our recruiters look at all those that, that are prioritized. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, I do have confidence that um, as long as the requisition itself or, or job processes, so what we do find is an eliminator is, you know, things like requiring um, assessment tests or technical tests or simulations that might not correlate with the job, which then might knock out people who are good, um, uh, which, you know, is up to the company's discretion. We do find our clients more and more validating um, that the processes and the tests that they're using do correlate to good outcomes. And I think that's something that excites us, which is the connectivity between recruiting data and performance data, which we see more and more as being bridged, gives um, our clients the ability to say, are there things we're asking for requiring on the job or in the filter process that don't correlate with performance in role or the top performers? And if so, let's edit, remove those, or change our process. So, so what does the day of a CEO of a company that's doing this sort of thing look like? It's, it's a fascinating world that you operate in. What does your day like? Yeah, so I think probably no different than most CEOs and founders, um, which is basically my job is to make sure uh, there's there's no fires. And if there are fires, help the team fight them either personally or hire top talent with the skills to solve our biggest challenges. Um, so that's kind of where my day is spent. Uh, usually a third, a third, a third, a third with clients and customers. I love learning um, what their data challenges are, what the problems in their organizations are. Uh, I get quite involved in our product roadmap uh, and product decisions with my head of product in trying to really make sure the things we build are not in an ivory tower and are the practical solutions needed today from our client base. And we're always driven by our client feedback in the things that we modify or upgrade um, or even the new capabilities we launch. Most of our new products over the last three years, uh, actually all of them have come out of capability requests of our client base. So uh, making sure I spend time with them has been really important for that. Um, a third with the team, um, I mean, like any other CEO, I take a lot of pride in our ability to grow and retain um, talented people who we're lucky enough to have come and work for us. Um, and work with us on solving the, the data challenges of people sciences. Um, and then, you know, the other third is, is spent just doing more of the um, industry type stuff. I mean, we learn a lot from other industries and verticals that are further along in the use of data science to bring 
process efficiency, spend a lot of my time on the compliant elements of what we do, reading through laws, reading through um, government statements and decisions to really try to understand in the next three to five years what, what can we expect and make sure um, our compliance product teams are, are building things that will protect our clients um, and put us in a good place of being very forward thinking in that front of not just releasing algorithms, but releasing compliant algorithms that also provide an efficiency and effectiveness. Um, uh, what makes you different from your competitors? There, there are, there's a fog of um, people claiming to have AI and the capacity to help sift through a pile of resumes. There's a ton of people making those claims. How do you differentiate? Yeah, so what I, what I don't know is the accuracy rates or the um, validity of the other solutions in the market. I've never used them. Um, but, but what I do know is about our own product. And so um, what I can tell you is, you know, something we know very clearly is that our product brings a tremendous value to our client base. For recruiters using our product um, across the board, we see over 90% recruiter screening efficiency um, and on average between five to 15 day reduction um, in, in time to hire overall. So that, that improvement is being gained on the recruiter screening and sourcing efficiency side. Within four minutes of a rec going live, um, if there are high quality past applicants or CRM candidates, Hired score finds them and delivers them to the recruiter. Uh, so within the hour, the fact that the recruiter has a passive place um, of talent tends to dramatically impact the time to source, time to find, and time to deliver to hiring manager, as well as for those that are actively applying, we have our spotlight product, which is scoring them. Um, we study heavily uh, in terms of what makes us different. Um, I, don't, I don't know what other companies can say, but we study heavily the conversion of those we recommend and score, not just to applicant or to interview, but to hire. Um, so that means they made it through the recruiter, they made it through the hiring manager, they made it through whatever other screening processes or technical tests are in the company. Um, and we see on average between one in five and one in 10 that we recommend gets an offer versus in the current processes today across our clients, the numbers are one in 150 to one in 350 with their current processes. This is for professional recruiting and hiring, uh, so salaried roles. Um, so, so just in terms of um, just the sheer effectiveness of our algorithmic approach, the notion that for every client we work with, we do have a customized brain uh, that gets created for them. Uh, that is one of the differentiators we know about, which is part of where we're able to get such high accuracy rates out of the box for the clients. Um, we're also a deeply integrated tool. So some solutions you would have to send the data um, externally or not have a partnership with the existing um, recruiting systems, systems like IBM Connect, uh, SAP Success Factors, uh, and the other large ones. We're deeply integrated and embedded inside of those systems with partnerships. Um, so that means you know the quality of what we've built with their existing APIs are secure, are safe, are certified and verified by our partners, um, which does give, you know, in the world of uh, cyber um, security risks and data privacy concerns, it does give our clients a lot of ease that we are using um, the, the best practices to how we integrate, how we handle and manage the data. 
Uh, and I'd say just the last thing is the way we approach compliance. Uh, so for companies that service outside of the Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000, CEO and OFCCP is probably not as important. In our world, um, our algorithms are validated. Adverse impact testing is run against them. They're fully transparent in terms of decision making, um, as well as we have a, a zero bias uh, toolkit that clients can activate as well. Uh, so that is just one of the things that separates us a little bit, I think, from other products or other products servicing medium size or small companies. Zero bias. That's that's another one of these claims that I hear a lot of that seems like puffery to me. Can you tell me a little bit more about your zero bias toolkit? Yeah. So I'd say in terms of biases, um, the biggest bias creator we find is the REC, um, the, the REC qualifications. Our clients, because of being federal government contractors, are all supposed to validate um, that the criteria and specification of the REC are job-related and required. So once you say that if there are specifications like the type of degree, um, the level of degree, or the amount of experience that's required, um, that will naturally create a bias if this is a job requiring a you know, PhD in physics, uh, for example, to go back to our physicists, um, you will probably exclude out certain minority populations and genders that aren't as prevalent in that degree or that course of study. But for the population that meets the criteria, um, we verify that, for example, any machine learning we do and any features we put in place are not generating a bias. Um, and if there is, so that's one of the big, I guess, concerns with algorithms and very validly so, which is if you learn from recruiter and past company decisions and there was a bias prevalent because humans are imperfect, um, you're going to perpetuate, generate, maybe even further that. So we have the ability to study um, automatically and programmatically if was there any bias in the learning set, and if so, how do we mute that and prevent that so that what the client is getting is a, is a um, recommendation system that we know is not perpetuating a bias beyond whatever the qualifications of the jobs that have been specified and validated by the company. That's interesting. That, that, that's interesting and merits a much longer conversation. But but um, in the setting, so so I want to be sure I have this right. You're really telling me that your business is helping government agencies hire people, and there's a very rigorous application process inside of government agencies, and that puts you in the position of having data that you wouldn't have in non-government settings. So, so you have a, a different problem to solve than the people who are out on the open market. Is that fair? So, so well, it's 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 large corporates that have federal government contracts. So, I, I think the rule for the OFCCP and EO guidelines is if you have north of two hundred thousand dollar government contracts. Not exactly sure of the number, um, but you if if you have you know the minimum threshold of government contracts in your organization. Um, then you are now under the OFCCP and EEO guidelines in terms of how you get audited um, and in terms of how you need to treat um, candidates fairly across diversity, um, gender, disability, and veteran um, and age status to make sure you're not generating that. So we see that actually in most of the Fortune 500 um, has some type of federal government contract that exceeds the minimum and is thus under the CEO and OFCCP guidelines. 
um, in terms of um, how they need to treat populations and how they need to report and be audited. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so we are at the end of our time together. Uh, is there something you want to be sure the audience takes away from this conversation? Uh, I think the, the thing that we get most excited about is, you know, some people are afraid or scared of algorithms and what that will mean. And, and what we get excited about is the ability to say, um, you know, keywords and bias-based filtering, searching by Ivy League schools or certain companies have to date often precluded populations who will make great employees and be very high performers, but don't meet uh, a lot of the bias-based filters that are put in place. And so I think something that that is really exciting and that, that you know, the more that the industry um, can generate excitement and thought leadership about, which is algorithms can actually help unlock the ability to hire differently. And I think a great example is um, hiring veterans, which is in a keyword world, if you're a pilot and you're applying for a sales manager job, you're going to be excluded out because no one's looking for pilots when, when they're filtering by Boolean for, for former sales managers. But if that pilot has recently left the Air Force and really wants to manage and build sales teams, um, you know, it, it's easy to argue that their experience on the line, under stress, building teams, motivating people would actually position them quite nicely. And so that's where a, an algorithm that can understand differences between data sets, um, break data down to skill sets and competencies um, and relevancy and then recommend back up um, actually enables and unlocks the ability for the industry for something that a lot have wanted for a long time, which is help them hire differently, um, help them select differently, and help also promote differently. Maybe hourly workers or contingent workers um, could be recommended into professional roles, have a chance, be very relevant. So it's something that I get excited about where uh, how can you uh, use technology in a way to enable social mobility, um, and enable opportunities to come to those that are deserving, um, not just that those that you think might be good and kind of de-risk different decision-making. Fantastic. So why don't you take a moment, reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciated the questions. It was a lot of fun to join, um, join the show this morning. My name is Athena Karp, um, CEO of Hired Score. Uh, best way to reach me, Athena at HiredScore.com also on LinkedIn, and uh, look forward to any feedback, questions, uh, or dialogue you'd like to continue from this discussion. Thanks very much, Athena. It's been great talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time to drop in and, and um, do the radio show this morning. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks so much. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Athena Karp, who is the founder and CEO of Hired Score, an artificial intelligence HR technology company. Thanks for listening in. We will talk to you next time. Have a great weekend now. Bye-bye.